I have missed you so very much. I've decided if the Lord will help me, I will never go back to Tennessee as long as I live. This was that you? And I thought the rapture was getting up. About ready to go. <laughs> you okay? Okay. <laughs> her piano was talking to her. This ordeal started for us about ten days ago, and my wife uh, threw a hacking up and throwing and and coughing and all the stuff that goes with the sinus junk and uh, went to the doctor and they checked her for COVID. No COVID, praise God. We never thought there was, but you know how it is. You can't go get gas these days without getting checked for COVID. So they checked her for COVID, no COVID, and then uh, they eventually came around and said that she had pneumonia, uh, the kind you can walk around with. And so she had been walking around with it, I guess, and they started treating her. They called her back a couple of days later, and they said, you don't have any pneumonia either. So uh, she just been coughing, I guess. And so uh, at any rate, uh, she's had a rough time with the ears and all that, but God has helped her, and she's doing better, and she's improving, and we praise the Lord that she's gaining her strength every day. Amen. For me, a total different situation. We're both sick in the same house at the same time. Uh, but when I went to Tennessee, I got down there and started having some issues with my sinuses, as I often do in Tennessee. And so um, I decided I'd take some antihistamine. And while I was down there, I took uh, one pill for three days, one day, so three pills. And it just about killed me, I tell you. I, I thought... I thought I didn't know what was happening, but when you have the condition that I have, uh, you don't take antihistamines. The doctor said that antihistamines are death to people who have my condition. I said, I wish you'd have told me that. But at any rate, uh, I began to just rest in the Lord and trust in the Lord and believe in Him, and He has helped me. I'm still not 100%. And uh, when I said that earlier to some of the guys, they said, praise God, we won't get 100% of the sermon today. I said, that, that's not entirely true, because if I can't focus real well, sometimes I'll give you 125% instead of 100. But I'm glad to be here today, and I'm thankful for the Lord, and I'm thankful that uh, the Lord still works miracles. Uh, Wednesday night of this week, I decided that I was done. I was finished. I didn't mean I wanted to die. I just wanted to do something different than what I was doing. It's the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning. I've made up my mind that I'm going to go to the emergency room. And, uh, but I didn't want to go to the emergency room at 3 o'clock in the morning. So I said, I'm going to wait till in the morning. I'm going to go. But in the meantime, I'm going to go lay down on the bed, and I'm just going just gonna to rest. Donna was up praying and I slept for about three hours, and when I woke up, it, 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 was, it was like the difference between daylight and dark. It's like when you're in the middle of the night, and you can't see anything, and then the sun starts coming up. About 6 o'clock that morning, 
I started feeling better and started getting some results in my body that needed to happen. And so I was just grateful to the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm, I, you know, it's funny how that sometimes when we give up or we give in, that that's the place where God meets you. And He sure met me. And I'm so thankful for what He's done in my body. And I'm not trying to be melodramatic. Let me tell you, I understand and have for many, many years that when people are sick in their bodies and dealing with physical issues, it's some of the most awful things that you can have to deal with at all. But God is on our side. And I think it's why one of the reasons why He wants us to know and speaks to us in His Word so many times that He is not just a Savior, he doesn't just take care of spiritual matters for us, but He's a healer. And he can heal us psychologically. He can heal us emotionally. He can heal us physically. And certainly He can heal us spiritually. But I'm glad today to know that the God that I serve, the Savior that I know personally, is a healer. And I listened. I don't know how many times I listened to it on the back porch I mean, our, if our neighborhood doesn't have revival, I, it's not my fault because I was on the back porch playing on my phone a song that I remembered from many years ago that says there's a healer in the house today. I listened to it and listened to it and listened to it and listened to it and listened to Scripture and prayed Scripture and believed Scripture. And I'm here to tell you today that I know firsthand that there's a healer in the house today. And He is able to heal you completely. Why don't you give Him praise for a moment? Amen. Amen, amen. So thank you for being with us today. We're glad that you're in the Lord's house this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, if you will, verse 20. I want to reread this passage of Scripture, one of my favorites. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. I pray that you'll help me to preach effectively with strength. Lord, I pray that you'll help my mind to be sharp and that you'll help your people to be able to receive the Word of God today in fullness and in truth so that it can change their lives. I ask it in Jesus' lovely name. Amen and amen. When I was in college, I was taking uh, one semester at Lee University living in Cleveland. And my Aunt Ruth lived in Childersburg, Alabama, which was not too far from there. And there was a young lady that I, I, I didn't date when I was there. I was still holding out hope for Donna. And so I, but I had a group of, you know, that I hung with. And there was a young lady whose parents lived down in Alabama, or her family lived in Alabama. And she was wanting to go visit her family, but she didn't have any way to get there. And I told her, I said, well, I'll take you down there. I'll drop you at your parents' house. I said, and then I'll go over and I'll visit my Aunt Ruth. I need to see her. I haven't seen her in several years. And so we did that. And when I got there, my 
Aunt Ruth, she said, I'm going to put you in the guest room where the feather bed is. Have you ever slept on a feather bed? I'm telling you, it's, it's the best of both worlds. Because on, on both ends, it's just as solid as can be. Uh, you know, up where your head is, it's solid. Where your feet are, it's solid. But you know what's bad about feather beds? The middle. Because they just sag right in the middle. And I slept on that bed for a couple nights, and I discovered that as, as, as good as they sound, I don't ever want to have a feather bed. And the reason for that is, is because I don't like the sag in the middle. Not long ago, one of my grandkids looked at me. I was out doing some stuff and working, and they said, Pops, you need to pull your britches up. Said they've, uh, they've slipped down just a little bit lower than they need to slip down. And I discovered that my pants at this age in my life uh, tend to sag. Now, you don't have that problem. Uh, if you're equipped well in the right places, you don't have those issues. Uh, but they were right. I needed an answer. And I'm not a suspenders kind of guy. If you are, then praise God, that's wonderful. But I'm not. And belts only do so much. You know that, right? And then after that, you got to wear underwear all the way up to here or else you're in trouble. I, I read about this preacher in Texas, not preacher, farmer in Texas, whose wife told him, said, you look horrible in those suspenders. So I don't want you to ever wear any suspenders again. Said, you look like you're about 85 years old. And said, they just don't do a thing for you. Well, being a man of God, he went to the Lord and said, Lord, I need an answer. Said, my wife does not want me to wear suspenders any longer, but my belt won't hold my pants up, so I need help. And with the help of the Lord, he invented a device called the no-sag belt. I'm wearing one of those right now. You just don't know it. You wear it underneath your pants instead of outside of your pants. And you strap it on, you tuck your shirt in, you put your outside belt on, and there's a ridge on the outside of that no-sag back here that will not let your pants go down lower than the no-sag belt. And he said the Lord helped him to do that, not only so that his wife would love him again, but it gave him an opportunity to let other people know <clears throat> that whatever their problem in life is, that there is a God who is able to help them through that situation and give them the answers that they need. He's made no telling how much money on that no-sag belt. In fact, I'm getting ready to buy... Aaron, she said, please, please buy Justin one of those. She said, please do. And I may just slip Jonathan one in there as well. But he's made all kinds of money, and with every one that he sends out, he sends a little red wooden nickel that tells, that has a picture of the cross with a little card that tells the gospel story about Jesus Christ and what he can do for their, their lives. And so I'm thankful that God is a God who can help us through our sagging situations, aren't you? Amen. 
Just like that feather bed was good on one end and good on the other, sometimes our life can be that way. How many of you remember when you first got saved? You remember how on fire you were for Jesus? There wasn't nothing that you wouldn't do for Him because of all that He had done for you. You were excited about living for Jesus. And then we're all pretty good about the end result. We know that when we die, we're going to heaven. We know that because of what Jesus has done, we have eternal life that is set aside for us. We know that. It's not the beginning that gives us problems. And it's not the end that gives us problems. It's the sagging middle that gives us problems. So how do we deal with that? Well, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 is the answer to our everyday sagging life that gets us through from where we are to where we know ultimately we're going to be. Now there are three things that I want to share with you from this passage of Scripture. The first thing is, is I want you to see that He took something from me when He crucified me, and that was my old life. Notice it says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, the language here is that the verb tense is perfect, which means that the action has been completed in the past, but still produces results. It's something that Jesus did that is still producing results in us. My son, being, uh, he thinks he's smart and knows all kinds of stuff, he's telling me one day, he said, Dad, did you know that, that your nose never stops growing? He said, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I said, are you talking about me personally? Because if you're talking about me personally, I'm going to punch you in your nose and yours is going to be growing. He said, no, no, everybody's nose continues to grow. I said, where did you learn that? And he told me where he learned me and all that. And I said, shut up. I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Your nose just keeps growing. It started growing when you were conceived in your mother's womb and it has never stopped growing from the day that God gave you life. Isn't that good news today? That's what I'm trying to tell you about being crucified with Christ. When you came in to Jesus Christ and began a relationship with Him, He gave you new life. And you started growing in areas in your life that you didn't even know you were growing in. Things in you began to perk up that you didn't even know life still existed there. But that act of crucifixion that Jesus did on you took away all the old stuff of your life. The scripture says that we are in Christ. Behold, all things pass away and all things become new. That one act of crucifying us with Him has begun a process in us that will cause us to always grow, be growing in grace, always be growing in Him and through Him and because of Him. And we do not have to be who we think we were and defined by what happened to us in our lives because when we got crucified with Christ, He removed it and took it away from us and gave us a new life for our old life. We are crucified with Him today. 
The mood is passive. That is, the subject is the recipient of the action. So Jesus is the one doing the crucifying, not you. I know that when we were taught when we were kids that when we got saved, we needed to straighten our act up. We needed to stop going where we used to go and doing what we used to do and hanging out with who we used to hang with. And I'm not saying those aren't good ideas. But trying to tweak our life is never going to crucify us. You can't crucify yourself. I can't crucify myself. The only thing I can do is say to Jesus, crucify me. That thing in me that is not bringing glory to your name, I want you to kill it. I want you to crucify it. I want you to drive it out. Let me tell you something. When you put yourself in that kind of position, Jesus will take you at your word. And he will start a process of crucifying that thing out of your flesh. And when he gets that crucified, he'll crucify something else. And when he's finished crucifying that, he'll crucify something else. But it's not up to you to crucify yourself. We have been crucified with Christ. The crucified has crucified us. Think about that. And because of that, He is working in us. And then the statement is also indicative. In other words, it points to a fact. And here's the problem with so many people. They don't want to be crucified. They don't don't even really want to be a good Christian. They don't even really want to mature in their faith. They just want to add or sprinkle in just a little bit of Jesus like we sprinkle in a little bit of cinnamon with our oatmeal. We just fix it all up and get it there, and then we sprinkle a little bit in because it gives us a little bit of spice, and that's our expectation of Jesus in our life. We want a little bit of Jesus, but we don't want to be crucified. Well, let me tell you something. The only way that I know that you can, you can experience Jesus in His fullness is for you to allow Him to crucify your flesh and get the stuff out of you that does not need to be there. And I'm so thankful that even in the, moment, the, 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 the painful moments when He's crucifying us, it's not easy, it doesn't feel good, but let me tell you, there's always a winning combination of Jesus crucifying us and then keeping us in His care. And I'm willing to let Him do that. So first of all, he took something from me. He took my old life. Secondly, I want you to see that he put something in me, my new life. Notice what he says. Notice what the writer says. He said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. This room is full of a bunch of crucified people who have a Savior living inside of them, which enables us to face anything that this world can throw at us. Let me explain to you that if you try to continue to do in the flesh what you can now only do in the Spirit, you will fail every time. But God does not expect you to live your life in the flesh. 
He said, the life, the flesh that I live in now, it's not me, it's Jesus living in me. So we've got to get to the place where we understand that Jesus living in us is the controlling factor for every thought and every emotion and every battle that we face. We do not fight it in the flesh, but we fight it in the Spirit of God. Whatever Jesus would do in this situation is what I should do and can do and enable to do because I don't have to go down to Walmart and find Jesus and get Him where close to me. He is inside of me. The Scripture says that we have, when we come into Christ, the divine nature of Jesus Christ living in us. We are partakers of His nature. But I don't have to respond in the flesh. I don't have to cuss you out. I don't have to get offended with you. I don't have to get hurt with you. I can do everything that I do in the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that is alive and well within me. Now let me tell you what being crucified in Christ means. First of all, let me tell you what it's not. It is not a reformed life. It's not where you make a list of ten things and decide you're going to check that list off as you knock them all off your list. Now, I was taught that way. And I'm not knocking anybody that's lived that way or even living that way, but it, it just won't get you where you need to be. It's not checking something off on a list. It's not reforming your life. It's allowing Him to crucify the old life that is in you so that you can become new. So it's not a reformed life. It's not even an improved life. Let me tell you, sometimes when you come into Christ, life gets worse before it gets better. I've counseled with men and women both who got saved and were still married to an unbelieving spouse and their life was hell on earth every day because their spouse did not want them to be saved. And so life got more difficult. But let me tell you something, that even when life gets more difficult in certain circumstances, think about the disciples who Jesus said, you're going to have to give your life for me. Told Peter, you're going to have to give your life for me. Told Paul all the things that he would have to suffer for the sake of Christ. Listen, I'm just telling you, when Jesus starts crucifying you, he makes it very clear that there's a death that has to take place to your flesh and your plans and what you want and what you desire so that you can set all of that aside and pick up what Jesus wants for you. Let me remind you that He came so that He can give you life and He can give it to you more abundantly so you can trust your life to Jesus. Amen? Because He wants ultimately what is best for you and what is, what is good for you and what is perfect for you and what is holy for you and what is righteous for you. But you've got to let Him crucify you before that becomes reality in your life. It's not an improved life. It's not even a changed life. Here's what it is. It is an exchanged life. In other words, I'm trading in the old 
so that I can have the new. I'm trading in all it was so that what is is the best blessings that God has in store for us. So I want to be exchanged. I want to exchange my old life. We give God our old life, and He gives us one that is brand new in return. The Apostle Paul had died to his old self-centered life. You remember before he had an encounter with Jesus, he was trying to kill Christians, taking them captive, turning them in, knowing that many of them would give their lives for their faith. And Paul was that man. But Jesus crucified him. Jesus didn't just knock him off of a horse and blind his eyes, but Jesus gave him something that he had never had before, and that was a relationship with Jesus Christ in person. And that relationship with Jesus Christ totally and completely changed Paul. And he went from being this man who wanted to slay Christians to a man who would literally give his life so that Christians could excel and succeed in life because they'd have some of the most powerful words that have ever, ever been written in Scripture were written by the Apostle Paul. And the only way that happened was because he allowed Jesus to put something in him. And that was his new life. An author by the name of O.S. Hawkins said, While many say, not Christ, but I, the believer says, not I, but Christ. Let me say that again. Many say, not Christ, but I. But the believer says, not I, but Christ. I don't know many people who would say, I don't really care what Jesus thinks. I don't really care what He wants. I want what I want. I don't know many people who say that. Did you know that we can live in such a way that we don't even need words to send the message that I am more important than Christ? What I want is more important than what He wants. What I need is what I think I need rather than what He thinks He needs. You see, it's not Christ, but it is I. But for the believer, we don't live that way. Instead, we send this message. It is no longer I that lives. It's not I, but it is Christ living in me. So when someone has ticked me off and I shot my mouth off, and I offended someone, or I forsook someone, and I know that I've offended them, the believer who says, or not I, or not Christ, but I, will just say, well, they'll get over it. They can just learn how. If they're going to live in this world, they're going to have to toughen up a little bit. They're going to have to live in my presence. They're going to have to learn that this is just the way that I am. My mama was this way. My daddy was this way, my grandma was that way, my grandpa was that way, I'm that way, and they're just going to have to get over themselves. Not Christ, but I. Now, we don't live that way, church. We don't live that way. In every situation, we find a way to say, not I, but Christ. 
Would Christ want me to apologize? Would Christ want me to watch my mouth? Would Christ want me to pay my taxes and not cheat? Would Christ want me to go to work and give my employer a full day's hard work? Or would He rather that I sit in the corner somewhere and hide so that no one could see me? You see, the way that we live our lives sends a message. And I don't know about you, but more than ever before, I want to be able to say, it is not me that's doing the living, but it is Christ that is living in me. And He is helping me in every situation. Someone said there is no way to defeat a man who truly believes that Christ is alive and has taken up permanent residency in Him. Does that sound accurate to you? Listen, if you are fully aware that you have the fullness of Jesus Christ living in you, who in the world can come against you? If you have the reality of the fullness that Jesus Christ and His divine nature and His Spirit is alive and well within you, who can offend you to the point that would make you want to give up on your relationship with Jesus Christ? Who can cause you to make decisions that are not Christ-like? Who can make you to want to walk all the way around the building to keep from having to say hello to somebody? Who could get you to want to cause and stir up strife and trouble in your family? Who could cause you to fail and falter and sputter along the way when you have a full understanding that the fullness of Jesus Christ lives within you? And I'll tell you the answer to that, my friend. No one can make a man or a woman of God fall when they are fully aware of the presence of Jesus Christ living within us. It's just a matter of activating Him and activating His Spirit. Finally this morning, He gave something for me. He gave me His life. Think of it. Jesus loved you so much that He was willing to die for you. You say, well, you don't know the kind of person that I've been or the kind of person that I am. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I've seen, I've seen Jesus save people that are way worse than you. I've seen Jesus save people that are so steeped in sin that they can't even walk across the room without spewing some kind of anger and hurt and foulness on someone else. I was in Walmart yesterday for just a few minutes. And let me tell you something. If you ever see me, and Donna did, in Walmart on Saturday afternoon, it's an emergency. I ain't going to Walmart on Saturday just for the fun of it. In fact, if I never had to go back to Walmart again, it'd be perfectly all right with me. Although I'll say this, Donna, when we were having to spend a lot of time at home and not getting out and all that kind of stuff, you know when you're not feeling well, there's nothing more comforting than pajamas, is there? 
And so she had on these pajamas, and I'd really not paid that much attention. I, I kind of touched them, and they were soft and felt fluffy and felt good. And she said, I love these. She said, I just love these pajamas. She said, I'm going to get some more of these pajamas. I said, where'd you get them? She said, Walmart. <laughs> and it just hit me. I said, there's no better place on the earth to buy pajamas than at Walmart. Because you can just wear your pajamas to Walmart and nobody cares. I mean, you can just go in the, the, the room and put them on, take your street clothes home with you and just wear your pajamas. But anyway, we were in there and... <clears throat> There was this group of young people, and I, I'm not ragging on young people. I used to be young once myself. But they were some of the rudest, classless people that I've been close to in a long time. Purposefully blocking aisles so that people couldn't get by with their carts. Standing in the way, being loud, being raucous, calling each other names that just are unsuitable in any way. I don't know what's happened to the world and the language that we have to put up with all the time. You say, well, you're just soft, Pastor, because you, you work at the church. You need to work where I understand. I get it. You guys have to put up with it way more than I do. I don't know, there's just something to me that is repulsive about some of the language that comes out of our mouths these days. And I started getting frustrated. And I was getting to the point where the old man and me was getting ready to say something to them and they probably would have just beat me and left me in the aisle at Walmart. Who knows? to put me on WDRB later in the evening pastor <clears throat> murdered for laying hands on young people and as I'm getting riled up in my spirit and you've never felt that way before I'm sure but as I'm getting riled up in my spirit the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said I love them I died for them. And I didn't call you to judge them. I called you to love them like I love them. I called you to let them know who, who I am. You know what Jesus was doing? He was crucifying me. He was taking something out of me and He was putting something of Himself in me. Because I realized I couldn't love Him in the flesh. But then I remembered what I was going to say to you today. The life I now live in this body, in this flesh, it is not me living. It is Christ living in me. Listen, Jesus took my sin so that I could take His righteousness. 
And he died my death so that I could live his life. What a powerful exchange that takes place when you commit your life to Jesus Christ. You stand with me this morning. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't crucify us and then leave us laying dead in the street? But He crucifies us. And then He infuses His life. Not just any life. His life into us. He breathes the breath of life into His people so that every breath I take, I take a breath that is empowered by the Savior, Jesus. I want the prayer team to come this morning. I'm fully aware that we have a lot of individuals in our life in our in our church right now that are dealing with sickness and situations that that are very very difficult we have some in the hospital right now that they just really need a divine touch Jesus Christ divine touch of healing I just found out a little bit ago that John Rosenberger was put back in the hospital where he is now undergoing some more treatment. John needs a touch from the Lord. That's, that's all I'll say about it. He just needs Jesus to heal his body. Little Miss Boo, Little Miss Wanda is in the hospital at Baptist East where she's struggling. They've installed two catheters, one in each lung, just to keep fluid pumped out of her. And every time I talk to her, she encourages me. I call to encourage her and talk to her and strengthen her. And before I'm finished, I'm feeling like I could, I could win any battle that I ever face. She said, Pastor, I really believe God's going to give me additional time on this earth and heal me here. She said, but if he chooses not to do that, I'm not concerned in the least about it because I know that my name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that if he takes me today, that to be absent from this body means I will be present with the Lord. We have a miracle standing right back here at the back. Miss Gail who just a few weeks ago came up here and stood right here in this altar and said, Pastor, I need a miracle from the Lord because they've diagnosed that I have cancer in my body. They're going to start treatment. And they did. And it was successful. They wanted to make sure. They discovered, she said, that when the tests were run and the doctors looked, there was no cancer in her body. Is that right, Gail? No cancer whatsoever. I 
I'm just telling you God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of God that works in us. And I just happen to believe that He's ready to get started on that right now. And so if you're here today and you need a healing touch from Jesus, I want you to make your way now as quickly as you can and get down here. If you have another need of another kind, whatever it is, you need the Lord's assistance, I want you to come and let them pray with you. And I want the choir, I've requested that they sing this song. The name of this song is just simply Healer. Healer. And let's make room for the healer in this house today through our worship and our acknowledgement of him. So as they sing this morning, you come on down here and let us pray with you. And we'll believe with God that he'll do whatever is necessary to bring you victory in your life. Thank you, singers. Go ahead and start.
Amen. Let's pray for those who are on live stream this morning and can't be here today. Lord, as I look into this camera today, I know that there are many of our people that are at home today sick in their bodies. But I know that you are their healer. Lord, I pray for Marlo. I thank you for what you've done for her. Thank you for the restoration that's taking place in her body. And I pray right now as I reach toward that camera and she connects with us, that you will divinely heal her. Lord, I pray for Zane Smith today. He was unable to be with us today. He made it three weeks in a row, Lord. But he's not able to be here today, but I know you're his divine healer. By your stripes, he is healed. Lord, I pray for Boo. She'll touch her and strengthen her. I know you're able. And I know you have a great plan for her. Lord, I pray for John Rosenberger this morning. Lord, I pray that you will bring healing to that liver. Lord, in Jesus' name, you are able. There's nothing too hard for you. You're the creator. I'm told that they can create those things in labs and cause them to grow back. Well, I've got better news than that. The divine creator who created it in the first place is able to call those things that are not as though they were. I'm asking you in Jesus' name to bring healing to his body. Lord, in Jesus' name. Pray for Kay, Lord. She'll strengthen her and bring healing to her body. As I know that you can. Oh, you are divine. You are healing. You're powerful. You're powerful. would say to us this morning you've lost your focus church because you're focused on everything around you politics and people every time you pump gas into your car you're focused on what it cost you speak things into existence that ought not be you say things like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Gasoline's going to cost $6 before it gets better. Our finances and retirement plans are going to lose every growth that they've had. You're speaking in the flesh. You're speaking things that you ought not be speaking because I live in you. So your words ought to represent me. And rather than worrying about politicians, realize that I am the one who turns the heart of the king anytime I want to do it. I can change things in a second your worry will never be able to change. I am your healer. 
while I realize that sometimes it's necessary to acknowledge so that you can manage what you're dealing with, don't give in to it because I am not afraid of it. It would not be the first time that I struck down cancer when I do it again. And when I do it again, I will strike it at its root so it cannot grow again. And I will create body parts if I must. I will create organs in bodies if I must. Because I am God and I'm able to do it. And I can do it when I want to and how I need to do it so that it will bring glory to my name and strengthen you. And so I'm calling back this church. Refocus. Focus on me. I'm in control. If you fall, I will pick you up. If you fall into the ditch, I'll reach way down in order to extract you from whatever might be holding you. If something is holding you in bondage, remember I am the one who can set you free. I am the chain breaker. In fact, someone is believing me right now to break a chain in their life and I'm going to do it right now for them just so that they'll know that I have not given up my authority and I have not given up my ability to break any kind of chain that is holding anybody. It is broken right now by my power in my name for my glory. Give Him praise, church. Give Him praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. How, how many of you believe nothing is impossible for Jesus? Nothing is impossible for Him. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible.
I'm so glad. Just like the psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I don't know, if I was writing it today, I'd say something like this. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to Spirit Life Church of God because I believe that God is going to meet us there in a powerful way. And hasn't he done that today? Hasn't he done it? Now here's what I want you to do as you're dismissed this morning. Find somebody and look them over real good and say, you don't look too bad to have been crucified by Christ. You look pretty good, Lee. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You all look pretty good knowing that you've been crucified by Christ. You have a wonderful week. I expect to see you Wednesday night right here in the house of the Lord. God bless you.